I'm excited. I've been excited about this message and this series. And so I hope you're ready for it. And we're talking about from the life of Joseph. God called Joseph to, to save his, not only his people, but another nation. He actually saved two nations. He saved the nation of Israel and he saved the nation of Egypt. And you see, we live in a world where, again, everyone wants to be saved. Everyone wants to be served. And God is calling Christians, believers, to serve and to save whole nations, whole people groups, whole families, whole workplaces. And so God wants to help you and I to go through some tests to strengthen our character, to strengthen our spirit, to strengthen our resolve, to strengthen our purpose, so that when God puts us in these places, we can be able to speak life into people's lives. Amen? And so if you're ready, I'm going to pray right now, and then I'm going to ask the Spirit to speak to us. Father, we humble ourselves in your sight. Lord, let your word come alive. Holy Spirit, speak to us right now. Empower us, save us, change us, fill us, Lord. Just do your great work in us. And let us receive what you have. I humble myself in your sight. I want to be your servant and your vessel. Let me speak only what you want me to speak today, but change our lives with the gospel and with the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so last week we talked about the pride test. This week we're talking about the pit test. Next week we're going to talk about the palace test. But today's test is uh, in Genesis 37. Turn there in a moment. We'll read that in a second. But I want to read this to you. It says, When you find yourself in the pits of life, it's good to know what you can do to get yourself out of the pit. Amen? And then Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and He set my feet on the rock and gave me a firm place to stand. So this morning, if you're in a pit, God can pull you out. And I'm going to talk about how to get out. I'm going to talk about why we get into the pits. But there's a story. Maybe you've heard this story. There was this man who had this job and he worked late. And his job, um, would, he would walk home from work and he'd get, he would, his work would be done in the wee morning hours. You know, early in the morning, it was still dark. And he would, he would, to get home faster, he would walk and he would cut through the, the cemetery to get home. And he would, he'd do this often just to make, to get home sooner. And so one, day, one night he, he, he got off work late, it was dark, the moon probably wasn't out, I don't know the whole story, but he walks across, uh, through this, um, uh, you probably heard the story, he walks through, through the, uh, graveyard, and, and so unknowing to him, someone had, had dug a, 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 a grave ready for the next morning. So he falls into the grave and of course it's, you know, six feet down and he's trying to climb out. He's trying to crawl. He's trying to grab roots. He just can't get out. He's yelling, help, help. Someone get me out of this hole. Get me out of this pit. He's yelling and screaming and finally he's exhausted. He says, you know what? He just sits down in the corner. I'm going to wait till daylight. And so he sits there. He's waiting along for maybe an hour. So and all of a sudden he hears someone coming along and all of a sudden they trample and they fall in the pit. And this man who falls in the pit is drunk, obviously, because you can smell it. And so this guy starts climbing up and he's trying to get out. And, and, and so the guy in the pit gets up and he touches him on the shoulder. He said, there's no way out. This man, he climbs and crawls and gets out of the thing and runs off. It's not a true story. But the, the story is, is there's always a way out of the pit. Amen? Maybe you found yourself in a pit this morning. The pit of a relationship. The pit of finances. The pit of emptiness. The pit of uh, an addiction. The pit of something. There's always a way out. And if you're ready today, this word is going to be powerful. If you will receive and listen to what God is going to say. So the first thing we're talking about is the pit test. Number one, finding your way out. You see, every one of us in life feels like sometimes life is just the pits, right? Come on, be honest, right? Sometimes you just feel like life is just the pits. 
I'm in a dead-end job. My relationships are terrible. I have these issues and all this stuff. And I just, life feels like we're in the pits. And we're not sure how we got into the pits. And we don't even know how to get out of the pits. But one thing is for sure, is you cannot fulfill your destiny if you're in the pits of life, right? If you're always down, if you're always downtrodden, if you're stuck in a hole, you cannot fulfill your God-given destiny. And so I want to talk about Joseph. So, so here it says, Joseph, uh, in Genesis 37, 23 and 24, it says, so, so Joseph was going through this pit test. And here's what it says. It says, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the cistern, or pit. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water. And you see, Joseph had a life calling. We talked about this last week. God gave Joseph a dream. His dream was that people would bow down to him. And, he, and God basically, you and I have, the, have the, the luxury of looking in the Scriptures to see that Joseph saved not only the children of Israel, but the nation of Egypt. And so he had this great call in his life. But the problem with Joseph was he was a little cocky. Remember that? Last week he said, everyone's going to bow down to me, so there's a pride test. Now he's in the pit, okay? And so what caused Joseph to end up in the pit? What lessons would he have to learn while he was in the pit? And so the question for you and I is, when we're in the pit and we're finding our way out, what is the lesson that you and I can learn while we're in the pit? What is God trying to speak to us? What can we give up? And you see, what started out as a great day for Joseph turned into a dreadful one. So let's pick it up. Genesis 37, verse 12. Genesis 37, verse 12. Speaking of Joseph and his brothers. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers were grazing the flocks uh, near Shechem. Come, come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. Verse 14. So he said to them, Go and see if all this is, is well with your brothers and with, flock, and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent them off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found, listen to this, a man found Joseph wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they're grazing their flocks? They moved, they moved from he, on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found him near Dothan. But after they, they, they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Verse 21, When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the desert. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take, and take him back to his father. Verse 23, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe, ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern, now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. Okay, so here it is. We pick it up. Joseph is, is obviously Jacob's favorite son. The other brothers know that. They don't like him. They've already had an issue with him. And so, so Joseph is sent by, by Jacob to go. He says, Israel says, hey, go check on your brothers. They're out, they're out in this area. So he goes out. And it's interesting because he goes out in the field and he's just wandering around. He's kind of lost. And probably because he's a dreamer. You know, some of daydreamers, you ever do that? You follow me? You, have, you, have you driven somewhere and you realize, how did I get here? 
That's kind of scary, you know. And so he was daydreaming and finally, they, you know, that, hey, your brother's over near Dothan. So he starts over there and his brothers see him from the distance. They could see the brightly colored coat, you know. And so they saw the coat and they're like, let's kill him. And, and of course, Reuben, let's not kill him. And so they throw him into the pit. Now that's what we're going we're gonna to take off today. He's in the pit, okay. So here it is. Joseph's day started out as good. He was on a mission for his father. His father gave him a mission. God the Father gives you a mission. And somehow, though, in life somewhere, through our own things that we do, or because of the enemy or something, we sometimes get thrown into a pit or we fall into a pit. And in that pit, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get depressed. It's easy to wonder what's going on. Am I going to stay in this pit forever? Why am I in this pit? And the question you should say when you're in a pit is, God, what can I learn in this pit? And Lord, show me how to get out. Amen? Because we're all going to get in the pit, right? And there are various reasons why we enter the pit. But the important lesson is, okay, Lord, get me out of this pit and let me learn from this pit. So the second thing here is reasons, reasons you find yourself in the pit. You doing good? A couple of you mumbled yes. So John 16, check this out. John 16, 33, Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Check this out. This is what Jesus says. In the world you will have only good times. What does it say? In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus knew that you and I would have troubles in this world. Anyone had troubles before? Anybody? You see, we get this mind till I get saved, I get my life, Jesus, troubles never come. That's a lie from the devil. Troubles come and go, we learn, we have good times, we have bad times. But Jesus said, hey, take cheer, I've overcome the world. And because we live in a world that's full of sin, and it's a troubled world, there are pits out there. And you see, some of those pits we fall into accidentally, some of those pits we fall into because we are stubborn about something, and sometimes they're just pits the devil puts out to trap us. You and I are going to have troubles. But you see, it's very, it's very, there's a very popular mentality in the world today, which I don't like and I think it's dangerous to us, and it's called the victim mentality. And you see, we fall into this pit and he said, it's not my fault. Remember I talked about that last year, that it's not my fault. We could all go through this. I mean, Joseph could say, it's not my fault. I was on mission. My, God, my, my dad sends me out on this mission. My brothers hated me. It's not my fault, Right? Oh, everybody feels sorry for me because it's not my fault. And please, please, please hear me because all of us have gone through tough times and there are things that aren't our fault. But you're living in a pit today and you've got to get over yourself. You're going to stay in that pit if you keep this victim mentality. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. And you're going to stay in that pit. And you're never going to fulfill your destiny if you're going to blame someone else for your troubles all your life. Because Jesus said... You are going to have tribulations. Be of good cheer because I have come to overcome. And so you can either blame everyone for your faults all your life or you can say, you know what? This wasn't my fault, but God, get me out of here. Right? Or you can say, you know what? Maybe I was responsible because see, Joseph could have developed that victim mentality. Hey, I'm doing this for my dad. My brothers hate me. And it would have been easy for him to say that, but we forget that Joseph was cocky. Remember? And maybe even Joseph's dad was part of the problem too because he gave him the best coat of all. I mean, the other brothers didn't have these coats, and so, so who was to fault? I think a lot of people were at fault, but you see, we're so easy to blame everyone else, right? 
We live in a world of blaming everyone else instead of saying, well, maybe some of the stuff that I did has caused me to fall in this pit. And so we need to reconsider. Look at yourself first. Maybe there are some things that you did that made you fall into the pit. Maybe there are some things you did not do that made you fall into the pit. Right? Have a self-examination. Say, God, I'm willing to learn from this. Maybe it is my fault. And you see, when you become prideful and, and you blame everyone else, you're going to stay in that pit. And you're never going to get past this test. You see, your pit could be, could be a relationship, could be a job, it could be a lack of something, it could have been a bad thing that happened to you. And God is a God of restoration. He wants to get you back on your feet. But you've got to humble yourself and say, you know what, maybe part of this pit is my fault. Maybe I was part of the issue here. Amen? You see, when you find yourself in a pit and you feel it's all lost, 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. You see, whenever you feel like you're in a pit, you need to humble yourself. Amen? Humble yourself. You see, the next thing is Joseph gave his son that gift. I'm still on this reason you find yourself in the pit. He gave him this pit, but Joseph's pride gave him this gift, I'm sorry, of the multicolored coats and the gift of being the, the blessed one. But because of his pride, he lost his gift. And you see, every one of you are gifted, right? God gives you multiple gifts. And sometimes we take these gifts and say, hey, look at me. Look what I can do. Look at, look at my ability. I, look at all the things that I've done. Look at all the things that I've accomplished. Look at me. And then the next thing you know, you're in the pit. And so you've got you to remember who gave you these gifts. Amen? Because we can begin to look at all the glitter and the glamour of the world and we can say, look at all I've done. Look who I am. I'm a self-made person or whatever. I'm, I'm this and that. And you fall into a pit. And you can lose that gift. You see, Joseph lost the coat of many colors. But we all know the end of the story again because Joseph then came to a better place. Amen? He came to a better place and he repented and God put him in a better place. So, so know that, okay? If you lose your gifts from God, God can restore them. The caveat is if you humble yourself before Him. Humble yourself before the Lord. He will lift you up. The third thing, let me talk about lies of the pit. So we talked about you find yourself in the pit, okay? Finding your way out of the pit, reasons you're in the pit. And the third thing is the lies of the pit, okay? We need to understand that the pit is a dangerous place, right? It's a dangerous place. And as soon as you fall into that pit, be assured you're going to encounter the lies of the enemy. Who's the enemy? The Bible calls him Satan, the devil. He is the accuser of the brethren. He is the, he is the liar. He is a deceptive person. And when you hit that pit, he's going to hit you with lies of accusation. He's going to hit you with lies of hopelessness that you're never going to get out. He can even fabricate false evidence against you. And if you and I believe these lies, we will stay in the pit indefinitely. You see, the devil is the original kick you while you're down person. He hates your guts. I hope you know that, right? He hates you. The Bible says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He only wants you to be dead. He is not your friend. Amen? God is your friend. Jesus says, but I have come to give life. So listen to this. If you want to get out of the pit, listen, if you want to get out of the pit, you have to learn to discern God's voice over the enemy's voice. Amen? You need to know God's voice first. Because God's voice is always true. It's always pulling you out. It's always restoring you. You see, the enemy's voice is deceptive. 
And the first truth you must learn is that Satan is the accuser. In fact, here it is in Romans, uh, Revelation 12.10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ. For, speaking of the devil, for the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. You see, Satan's going to get hurled down one day. Isn't that awesome? But it says here, what does it say Satan's doing every day? Every night. He accuses you before God. That Stan Nelson is a slime ball. Stan Nelson is the biggest loser I've ever seen. God, did you, did you just see how he treated his family? Did you just see how he cut that person off? And did you just see what he thought right there? And you see, if you and I start falling that line, you and I are like, oh my goodness, I am a slime ball. I'm worthless. I'm a loser. That's the voice of Satan. Do you have that yet? You see, when, when you begin to accuse yourself, that's the voice of Satan. Well, Pastor Stan, God's a holy God. That's right. He's a holy God and we must fear Him. But we would have been burned up a long time ago because of our sins. We deserved a lot worse, but He saved us through Jesus Christ. And He has a purpose for your life. It's not to beat you up, not to kick you while you're down. That's Satan. Amen? So you have to say, when you hear voices that say stuff like this, see, you're no good, or you wouldn't be in this pit. That's the voice of Satan. You'll never be any good. You'll never do anything for God. That's the voice of who? You're getting smart. You're learning this. You'll never get your marriage or relationship straightened out. Who is that? Come on, say it out loud. And we hate him. That's the only person you can hate, alright? If you hear a voice saying you, you'll never get your life straightened out, that is not God. Amen? God does not accuse us. Well, wait a minute. God knows anything. That's why He doesn't need to accuse us because He knows where we're at. And He knows that we need mercy. The Scripture says Satan is the accuser of the brother. He's going to accuse you all the time. And every time you hear a voice that's accusing you, remember, it's the voice of Satan, not of God. Amen? And if Satan accuses you, here's what God says in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. And what? It doesn't say he might. It says if you resist the devil, he will flee. Submit to God first. Resist the devil and he will flee. It's, it's the story of, the, of the, the mean dog, you know, or the bully in school. And some of you finally said to the dog, Get out! Or to the bully, Back off! And you finally resist it. And, and then the devil realizes, hey, this person realizes they have power in Christ. They, he will flee. If you say that when, when those ac- the accusations come to your mind, I can't even speak that word today, accusatory thoughts come to your mind, you should speak to those and say, these are not from God. I rebuke these in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? You need to learn to say that. Well, I'm psychotic if I talk about this. No, you're telling the devil because he's trying to put thoughts in your mind. And by the way, you talk to yourself anyway. Don't fool anyone. Everyone does, right? Not me. Yes, you do. You're always talking to yourself. You're thinking. And so when these thoughts come and they accuse you and they say you're a loser, you say, these are not from God. Amen? You see, Satan only tries to accuse you. In fact, not only does, that, does he try to accuse you, think about Joseph. Joseph was doing the right thing and he, fell, he of course, got in the pit. And I imagine he probably said to Joseph, it's over, man. Your God-given dream is never going to happen. Your pride has gotten in the way, Joseph. You will never overcome it. You see, there's no reason, Joseph, for you to call out for God because he's not hearing you. He put you in this pit. Who is that from? Satan, our enemy. 
You see, not only does he accuse you, but he accuses God. And he says stuff like this, look at what God did to you. And I've met a many a people, a person, that have tripped up on this. When good things are happening, they're all happy about life, but when bad things happen, then like, why did God allow this to happen? Where is God when I needed Him? He was there the whole time. He's with you good and bad. And if you can only accept good from God, then you're pretty immature. Amen? If all you think is God is some sugar daddy in the sky and He's only good to you all the time, oh, He only blesses me, and you can't handle the tough times because He wants you to grow up, you are very immature. That's good preaching. That's good preaching, Pastor Stan. Amen. You're welcome. That was from the Holy Spirit. You see, when, when, when the enemy accuses God, he'll say, look at what God did. Look what God allowed to happen to you. Let me tell you this. God doesn't want evil for you. But he can turn evil around. And so the devil's going to say, so listen, God's not faithful. The scripture's very clear. God is always faithful. Amen? Say that with me. God is always faithful. If he tells you he's going to do something, he is going to do it. But you have to maybe grow a little bit. You have to mature. You have to go through the pit test a little bit, maybe, to grow up. Okay, amen? This is good preaching, right? You must know that God is faithful. You must know... Come on, friends. You've got to know this word better than anything else. You've got to know this better than the C++++++ manual that some of you computer people are working on. You need to know this better than your sports figures, right? You need to know this better than what's going on on TV and in the, in the radio. You need to know God's Word. Because it's when you know God's Word, then you know God's voice. Amen? If you're a believer in Christ, you need to know God's Word because then when the lies of the devil come, you're like, that's not of God. Remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan? Satan twisted the Scriptures. Remember that? But what did Jesus respond back to him with? The Word of God. It is written. You should not test the Word of God. It is also written. So he, he knew the Word. Satan knows the Word. Do you know the Word? Are you going to get in the Word? Are you going to seek God? Because see, in the lies, not only then does he accuse God, you see, the enemy is very deceptive. Look at this, John 8, 44. He is very deceptive. His native language is lying. And of course, Jesus was very firm to the religious people. He said, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire... He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For listen, there is no truth in him. Is there truth in Satan? No. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So everything that proceeds out of Satan's mouth is a lie. Say that with me. A lie. Everything from God is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. And so you must know the Word of God. Amen? And so the next thing, not only will Satan then twist and lie and blame you and blame God, he will even fabricate false evidence to support his lie. Our government is good at that. Politicians are good at that. Pollsters are good at that. They can fabricate, they can take polls and make everyone believe whatever they want. Christians can be good at that sometimes too. We can take things and twist them to make it sound good for us. But that comes from the enemy. In fact, listen to this. Here's what happened in Genesis 37, 31 through 33. This is what the brothers did. The brothers fell into the trap of the enemy and they fabricated something. When they got Joseph's robe, 
They slaughtered a goat and dipped the, the robe in the blood. Listen to how they say this. Verse 32. They took the ornamented robe, or, ornamented robe to their father and said, We found this. Listen to how they say this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. Isn't that interesting? They knew whose robe that was, didn't they? Because they saw Joseph coming off, wandering off in the hills, you know. The hills are alive, singing. Who knows what he was doing? And he was wandering, and they saw, and they saw oh, there's Joseph the dreamer. They knew whose coat was. See, they twisted it. They fabricated So they go to Jacob. Is this your son's coat? Oh, come on. This is your brother, right? You see how Satan is? He will twist things. And, and then look what... And man, I learned a lesson again this week in jumping to conclusions. Verse 33. He, here's what happens. Jacob, or, or, sorry, Jacob recognized it and said, It's my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. You see, the brothers didn't tell their dad, your son is dead. They just said, is this your son's coat? And Jacob believed the evidence and jumped to conclusions. Let me tell you my story this week. Bad dad, okay? So the other night, I was downstairs doing something and my wife and girls are upstairs and they're like saying, Dad, what? And I'm like, dang, get off me. You know, everything's taken. And I jumped to conclusions and I'm, already re- I'm ready to defend. Like, I'm not fighting them with my fist, but I'm like, hey, man, back off. Don't gang up on me. And my wife says, do you sure you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready, come on. I was not very spiritual at the time, just, just confessing. I jumped to a conclusion. And then they went through and told me the story. I'm like, oh, gosh. I believed this false evidence in my mind. And I had to repent. So don't jump to conclusions. Amen? Because that's what the devil wants you to do. He will twist things. He will, he will even put in your face, look, here's the evidence. You see, you know what? That's not mine. That's not, that's, not of, that's not of God. That's of you, Satan. You see, we live, we live in a sin-hardened world. And we're going to be tempted by fabricated evidence just as, jo- as Jacob was. And Jacob, listen, Jacob put himself into a pit for another 20-some years or however many years it was before he saw his son again thinking his son was dead the whole time, and his brothers were in a pit because they were in guilt the whole time, knowing that he wasn't dead. And you see, sometimes we put ourselves in those pits by jumping to conclusions, by holding back the truth, right? And so God says, don't live like that. Don't let the devil destroy your life. You see, when you're in the pit, circumstances don't look favorable, right? But you must remember that God can overcome, and nothing is too hard for God. Amen? In fact, the scripture says nothing is impossible for God. And Satan's biggest lie, listen, his biggest lie is this. You've messed up too badly. It's too late for you. You've messed up so badly, you can never fulfill God's destiny. Let me tell you what, that's a lie. Mentiras, right? Those are lies from the devil. Right? Whenever you think there's no way, I've blown it. If you blew it that bad, you'd be in hell right now. I'm just being honest with you. Well, I don't believe in hell. Well, you better believe in hell because it exists. And if you blew it so bad, God would have snuffed your life out a long time ago. While you still have breath, there's always a chance to get out of the pit. Amen? You can always humble yourself and say, God, I need your help. Rescue me from this pit because I still have a destiny from God. You see, God is a redeemer. Amen? Amen? He can fix it. He can restore you. Number four, the purpose of the pit. Here, we're learning some more. The purpose of the pit. Are you doing good? This is a good word, isn't it? From God. You see, we can, we can gain some great insight 
from another character. His name was Jonah. You see, God gave Jonah a task. Says, Jonah, go to the city and preach. Here it is, Jonah 1, 2, and 3. Go to the great city Nineveh and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. You know what happened, right? You see, Jonah ran and ended up in a maritime pit. He ended up in the pit of a great fish that God prepared. And here's what happens. Jonah's in the pit. He disobeys God. He runs from God. Check out what he does right away while he's in the pit. Can you imagine being in the belly of a big fish? What's in that big fish's stomach? Jonah 2, 1 and 2. From the inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his will. His, his God. He said, In my distress I called the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help and you listened to my cry. Even when you disobey and you run and you get into a pit and you humble yourself and you say, God, rescue me. He is going to pull you out. You see, Jonah had to learn a lesson because when God tells you something and He wants you to do something, guess what? He wants you to do it. We think, oh, God's this manby-pamby God and He is is full of grace. Man, there's been plenty of times I should have gone somewhere else. But God has been very gracious with me, very patient with me, and been very patient with you and I. But when God gives you something to do, He expects you to do it. Right? Okay? And so here it is. Jonah messed up pretty bad. And God gave him a very important assignment. And Joseph, Jonah basically, he just he refused. He ran and of course he ended up in a pit. And he called out and God heard his voice and he rescued him. But the purpose of the pit was to have Jonah humble himself and call out to God. You see, part of the problem with, with humans is we think we know everything. We think we know what's best for our lives. We think we know how to run our lives the best. And sometimes God allows us to get in the pit so we will get on our knees and cry out, God, I need you. I've blown it. I am beyond myself, God. I don't know what to do now. I need your help. You see, the purpose of the pit, one of the purposes of the pit is to get us in a place where we're on our knees calling out to God. I think there would be some less troubles in our world if more people would get on their knees and call out to God and say, God, I've blown it. God, I am beyond myself. I need your help. Amen? And when you and I realize that we can't do it on our own, we're going to cry out to God. And God is big enough. Man, listen, God is big enough to get you out of any pit. However deep you think it is. Amen? It's not hard to get to God to get you out of a pit. It's, it's nothing for Him. In fact, you might be in multiple pits. Your marriage might be in the pits. Your job might be in the pits. Your finances might be in the pits. Your health might be in the pits. God loves rescuing His people. He is waiting. He's just waiting. He's like, just call on me. Any second call, I can just quickly pull you out of that and put your feet on solid ground again. And you see, you and I are struggling. We're fighting. We're fighting. We're fighting. God said, will you just get on your knees and call on me and I will pull you out of the pit. That's Jesus the rescuer. Amen? But the question is, not can God deliver, but the question is, will you humble yourself? Will you humble yourself? Say, you know what? I need God. I need God to rescue me of these bad business decisions. I need God to rescue me because I have burned some relationships. I need God to rescue me because I've done things to my body years ago that I should have done and now I have some health issues today. God can rescue you. He can restore. He can refresh. Amen? 
You see, I think somewhere, going back to Joseph, I think somewhere in that pit, Joseph woke up. In the times that Joseph had to go through some pit experiences and in his preparation for saving his people, I think Joseph began to take responsibility for his sins. You see, in our, our world today, we don't like to call sin, sin. We call it a mistake, a bad choice. But we need to name it as what it is. Amen? Anytime we rebel against God, it's sin. doesn't matter what it is. And so you, Joseph learned it and he said, man, I repent of these sins. And then God began to turn things around. His life changed. He cried out in true humility. In fact, here it is. God had a plan to deliver Joseph from the pit and turn evil for good. Genesis 50, verse 20. Do I have it? Yes, I do. And he's speaking to his brothers. And we know this is towards the end of the story when, when we'll get to this in, in later times of the series. But when the brothers came back and they said, we're sorry for doing that, Joseph said, you know what? Here's what it is. The purpose here was, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, some of your pit experiences are to grow you up, to make you trust in God, to make you desperate for God, to make you humble yourself, to bow your knee. And when you and I can humble ourselves in God's sight, we can start learning. We can stop griping. Amen? And God doesn't want to hear you griping all the time. He tolerates it. But He wants you to call out to Him. Amen? And He will lift you out of the pit. The fifth thing, the last thing, the fifth thing is this. Redemption from the pit. Say this with me. God always has a plan. You have to believe that. Amen? You don't exist on this earth just to live a good life, die, and then get buried someday. You don't live in this world just to, to have kids or to pay taxes. You live because God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for you just like Joseph, like Jonah, like Joshua, like Jesus, to save people from sin and hell and destruction. That's God's call in your life. Whether you're a mechanic, whether you're an engineer, whether you're a self-started person, a doctor, lawyer, a teacher, professor, a, a stay-at-home parent, it doesn't matter what you do or what you call yourself or you're retired, God has a plan for your life. Amen? And no matter what pit you might be in, God has a plan to get you out of that pit. That should make you shout right now. Whatever pit that you're in this morning, God wants to get you out of that sooner than you think. He's waiting. And God can turn it around. In fact, if we dig deeper in, into the account of Joseph here in Genesis, if you dig deeper in here, we see some truths and types of shadows of Christ in the Old Testament, is, is what it's called here. And so if you look at Reuben, remember, remember Reuben in verse 22-37? He said, don't shed any blood. Throw him into the, into the cistern here in the desert. Don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take them back to his, his father. You see, Reuben was the firstborn. And the, and the custom of the Jewish people at the time, is still, it's still, some people still follow this, is the firstborn was to receive all honor and all the inheritance. In reality, Reuben should have had the coat of many colors because he was the oldest child. And he, he, he gave it up and he knew, that, he knew that his dad favored Joseph more, so he gave it up. And so Reuben was a type of Christ. He was the firstborn. And you see, Jesus was the firstborn above all people. And you see, Reuben wanted to restore, he wanted to rescue Joseph and restore him to the Father. Jesus wants to rescue you and restore you to the Father. Do you see that? Reuben was a type of Christ. And so there's a story for us to learn that we can be like a big brother 
who can say we're called to rescue people and restore them to the Father through Jesus. You see that? That's your call in life. And we can learn from this. And it's pretty powerful. Then there, there's another type of Christ through, through Joseph. You see, Joseph was also a type of Christ. He wasn't Christ, but he was a type of Christ. You see, Joseph was, was stripped of his robe of many colors. Remember, Jesus was stripped of his robe. And remember, the soldiers gambled for it. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph was betrayed by Judah. Judas. I'm by Judah, yeah. Joseph was betrayed by his brother Judah, and Jesus was betrayed by Judas. And Judas and Judah are the same name in the Hebrew. But here's a very important difference between Joseph and Jesus. Jesus didn't deserve to go to the pit. He voluntarily went to the pit. You see, rather you and I, we've deserved to be thrown in the pit. We sin. We should be thrown in the pit for all eternity. But Jesus went to the pit before so that you don't have to be in the pit. And some of us, you need to really give your life to Christ. You've got to stop playing games with thinking you're a Christian, but you're living in the world, and God says, I don't want you to live that way. I want you to be free. Give your life to me. I've got a better plan for you. You keep ending up in pits and I can get you out of that. Some of us are Christians. We keep falling to pits. Jesus came to rescue us. We don't have to dwell in those pits. Amen? Jesus Christ died to deliver you and I from every pit. He died so that you have life. Remember, the, the thief comes to still kill, and still, still kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give life and give it abundantly. You see, many of us in this room, we're in a pit today. And maybe we're blaming someone else. We're blaming God. Or maybe we're feeling sorry for ourselves. Or maybe because we haven't bowed our knees, we're in a pit. And Jesus, you don't have to live in the pit anymore. I've gone to the pit and you don't have to live there anymore. Call on me. Abide in me. And you can be free of this pit. Would you stand with me this morning? You see, God can restore. Maybe you've lost some gifts. you lost some fire. God can restore that. In fact, Joseph was restored and a hundredfold he was restored. He saved his family. And you see, maybe some of you in this room think, well, my life isn't going to count. I can't do it anymore. God wants to restore you and put you back on a solid rock so that you can help other people be rescued from the pit. Amen? So the question is, will you humble yourself? Will you cry out to God this morning? Will you allow Him to deliver you from the pit that you're in this morning? Would you do that this morning? I'm just going to ask you, close your eyes. Just close your eyes for the sake of privacy around you. And I'm going to have, we're going to have an altar time in a minute. I want you to come up as the Lord responds to you. But I want you right now to think about the pit or the pits that you're in right now. And say, God, I know that I'm in a pit, but I need to be free from this pit. And God, I want to be free of this pit. Lord, would you free me of this pit today? And let Him restore you to the truth. Let Him speak to you. Let Him open your eyes. Let Him deliver you. Because see, God doesn't want you in the pit. He wants you free of the pit. Amen? Would you right now just quietly cry out to Him and ask Him to deliver you from this pit? Because in a moment, I'm going to have you come up. I'm going to ask you to come up. Would you just... He's speaking to you. He doesn't want you to dwell in this pit anymore. He wants you out of that pit. But in order for you to get out of that pit, you've got to learn the lesson. You've got to call on Him right now. Father, we call on You. Put our feet on the solid rock again. Pull us out of the miry mud and the clay and the dust and the dirt and the lies of the devil 
and the pit that we've maybe allowed ourselves to fall into. Or maybe it wasn't our fault, but we want to get out of the pit, Lord. We're tired of blaming everyone else. We want to live our lives and we want to fulfill our destiny you've given us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Friends, this morning I talked about Jesus coming to deliver you from the pit. Maybe this morning, you can look at me just for a moment. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. I want to give you opportunity because I'm going to ask you to close your eyes in a second, but I want you to know that Jesus died for your sins. And you don't have to live in shame or guilt anymore. You don't have to live according to those sins. God can set you free of those sins. Amen? So now with your eyes closed, just for a moment, heads bowed, just for the privacy of those around you. You've heard the message. You've heard Jesus. And you're saying, you know what? I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to make Him the King of my life. And you've never done this before. Or you want to renew that relationship. But here's for the first, if you've never done it before, and you want to accept Him as the Lord of your life, the Savior of your life, and you want to be rescued, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me, I want to accept Him, I want to make Him the Lord of my life this morning. Okay, anyone else? Go ahead and put your hands up, but please everyone pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that You're my Savior. I need You. I want You. I confess my sins. Bring me to the Father. Rescue me from the pit. I am your child. Fill me with your love, with your passion, with your spirit, and with my destiny you've given me. In Jesus' name. If you said that prayer for the first time, I have a book that I want, I want you to come and get it. Don't leave yet. There's a book. It's the new handbook believer for, uh, for believers. I want you to get that. But here's what I want to do. I want to open up the altar for you this morning. I want you to come and say, you know what, Pastor Stan, I need God to help me find my way out of the pit. If that's you, would you come to the front and say, I need help. Come on. This is, we're family. Or you say, you know what, I need to learn to confess my pride. I need God to help me with my pride. Come on down. Or you say, you know what, I'm tired. I've got to overcome the lies of the enemy. I don't know whose voice is who, and I want to hear God's voice. Would you come down this morning? Come on. If you're saying, I need to find my way out of the pit, I want God's help, come to the front. Say, you know what, I need to confess my pride. Come to the front. If you say, you know what, I need to, I need to overcome the lies of the enemy, I want you to come to the front. Come on. Come to the front. Or, you know what? I need God to, to get me out of this. I really feel like I've messed up bad, but God can rescue me. I want God. Come on down. See, I, I want to find my way out of the pit. I want to overcome this pride. I want to overcome the lies of the enemy. I, I want God to get me out of this pit. I've messed up, but God can restore me. Come on down to the front right now. Holy Spirit, speak to us right now. Maybe we're not in a pit, but Lord, we want to open our lives up to you right now. We come before you, God. Some of us have just come through some pits. Maybe we've been rescued. But Lord, maybe some of us are in a pit. And we want to be free of this pit right now. Holy Spirit, speak to us right now. We want to be free. Maybe we're tired of guilt and condemnation. Those are not from you, God. Those are the lies of the devil. Maybe some of us are wallowing in that. Maybe we've been blaming. Maybe we've been the victim. And we have the victim mentality. Would you free us of that? Because we want to get out of the pit. Maybe we've been abused. Maybe we've been manipulated. But God, you want us out of the pit. Would you just come down and let God speak to you right now? For my friends that come down, Lord God, would you speak to them? Would you free them? Would you free them in the name of Jesus? You're reaching out to us. We just got to bow our knees. We got to call out to you, God. We just call out to you right now. Would you rescue us from the pit that we've allowed ourselves to get in? Maybe we fell into the pit, God, unknowingly. But you want to rescue us. So Lord, deliver us from our pride. Deliver us from the fear. Give us the way out. We... we We've messed up, but Lord, you can restore us now. We want to come, God. We want to be free today in Jesus' name. We want to be free. Come on, church, be free today. See 
Him. See the Lord reaching down and pulling you out of the pit right now. Confess that thing.